Welcome to 30 Minute World, the show the where we. <laughs> well. Welcome to 30 Minute World, the show where we create fictional setting from scratch in 30 minutes. Uh, I'm Zach. I'm Dan. I'm Belvin. Uh, Zach, you're the lore lad this week, which means you have creative control of the setting that we're going to make. That's right. And also, would you mean from our new paradigm that you come in prepared to discuss something at the beginning, something interesting, maybe world related? Mm hmm. The letter I mean, you hit us with that good Ray Bradbury shit last time. Let's see what we got. I, I warned Walter about this last week that. Uh, we probably shouldn't have a lore lad do two weeks in a row. Oh, you're just spent. And and do a yeah, mm-hmm. I'm spent. One oh. week of a half hour podcast, and you, your tank is empty. To be fair, totally. it has never been a half hour podcast ever. <laughs> <Pretty much. laughs> uh, we've been here an hour and a half already. Let's just off camera. Yeah, no, we actually recorded three episodes, and then we had to throw them out um, because they were too topical. I think. Yeah. The- <laughs> yeah. What happens, listeners, is that we make a lot of these episodes, but for a lot of them, we just end up making political commentary, like a really core part of it. And uh, uh, that's like a solid 30%. Another 30% are just so bad that they never, ever get uploaded. So right, they're garbage. You're actually what getting the right? best episodes that we can possibly produce for you. Let that sink in. Right. It, you, it may not sound like it. You may be thinking... Hmm, okay, this is pretty slapdash, but I guess they're just trying it new each week. No, this is the cream of the crop that you you hear. That's right. You wanted the best, and you got us. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, uh, so Zach, you're not going to bring up anything cool, so let's just start. Just go right into uh, it. The way the episode goes is that we throw in some prompt words, and then we use those prompt words as the launching pad Uh to forge our way into a, a new, never-before-seen fictional world. Dan, do you have a word? I do. My word this week is marriage. Marriage? Mm-hmm. Marriage. Marriage? That is, <laughs> yes, that is correct. Belvin, have you got, have you got a, a nice prompt word to shove down Chessman's throat? I do. Yeah? Kabuki. Kabuki. Okay. Oh, Classic oh. Japanese theater with no women. <laughs> and Chessman, do you want to throw in a prompt word this this time? Because we're we're a three man group. That's right. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna throw in. I guess I can't. I guess we can't do mushroom. <laughs> our first world was literally all about mushrooms. It, it, it perilously close to several other worlds that we've done, actually. But if you think about it, that was over a year ago. <laughs> it was. It, I don't think <laughs> it was at some time in the past that I do not remember. There will be a point where we have to recycle everything we've already done. I'll, I don't know if we've hit that point yet. I I, I would through. be grateful for a list of used prompt words. <laughs> yeah, that would actually be valuable. We've gone through over a hundred words. There can't be that many more words in the English <laughs> no. language. I think running low because I think I was the first one to reuse one. I think I reused curse or something like that. Mm. The first uh-huh. party foul. Yeah, the first party foul. That's right. Okay. How about I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can get a more generic than the word I was thinking of. Copy. Copy. That's interesting. Okay. Like Reproduction. Very good. So marriage, kabuki, copy. Huh. What immediately springs to mind is some sort of like 
marriage as like an art form of some kind, like as a as a cultural work, mm-hmm. um, either for entertainment or for like some sort of spiritual purpose. Uh, yeah, well, you know, marriage is an art. Well, and, and for for all, all of our Tell listeners, that to my wife, all our <laughs> listeners are degenerates that love Japan, so they all know what kabuki is. But if you don't, it's a form of Japanese theater. Uh, there's like exaggerated movements, uh, lots of heavy face paint. Traditionally, all ma- roles played by men. It's basically like theater in most of the pre-modern world. Uh, yeah, it, it's theater that's kind of known for being exaggerated or stylized heavily. Those. Um, yeah, a lot of overposing, a lot of white grease paint all over your body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I, I do think it, it's an obvious thing to kind of combine the idea of kabuki with marriages, which is already like a ceremony with lots of pageantry anyway. Mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. the, the main, like, so the separation of, of a, a marriage, I mean, a marriage is already a performance, you're right. Like a kabuki marriage is almost inherently like a... If it's a it's performative, it could be false or it could be like just a work of art carried out without actually the joining of two people together. Right. Well, I'm actually tempted to just bring in the third word. Mm-hmm. Um, like what if copy? Yeah, copy duplication. It's interesting because like with marriage, you usually have children, which are in a way a copy of you. Oh, so you marry your children? Okay. Wait, wait, All right. right. I see <laughs> wait, where this is going. Not, no, hold on. <laughs> misrepresentation okay (laughs) (laughs) and we're back uh i mean like genetically you're taking half and half and making making a new one but like what if in this world that's not a copy that's there's no childbirth but you clone is it a science clone or is it like a you do this ritual to reproduce i'm thinking like yeah you do a ritual to affect the cloning the perform. What if so? Like, what if the performance of the marriage, the quality of the performance, and its reception by the audience affects how well the reproduction goes? Right, or just like sets a lot of traits up. Yeah, like a That's quality performance with a well-attended audience that you know likes the show and applauds and then leaves and is not unruly will grow up to be like a healthy, well-adjusted human being or whatever. See, or see even- now this is very interesting. What you've just said. Because you've now you've now taken it from what I was assuming was this sort of like sounding board, the Kabuki performance being like a sounding board for the universe, uh, to now it being dependent on the audience as well. Well, isn't any performance isn't any performance dependent upon the audience? Yeah. Well, what if um, it's it's maybe a little less qualitative and more like so if there's like a fake battle. Uh, the the person that you form through this ritual uh, will be more martial, right? So like perf- like prophecy through performance. Yeah, you're kind of telling the story of this person before they're born, and the story becomes true. Oh. Okay, I like that. Okay. So, you you have a kabuki performance that when you perform it, it creates a new person. If you perform this... Um, multiple times you'll get a copy right of the person like right oh if you if you do the same performance oh twice, yeah if, if you do everything the same way yeah yeah huh. right that, that does logically follow so maybe but right i will so if there's a really popular performance then 
you know, you're going to have a bunch of like where uh, it's a story of like Jessica, right? There's going to be a lot of Jessicas. Right. Or if you're mm. a war warmongering empire, you're going to like always be having a Kabuki play of of war and valor. And so you yeah. have lots of clone troopers. Just doing Henry V <laughs> over and over again. Well, what's uh-huh. inter- yeah. I mean, the implications of this system is that it's, I haven't seen, what's it called? Gattaca? Is that yeah. about like gene the, editing? Yeah. But essentially this is a universe where you can like clone or select for traits. That makes sense. At will, though less scientifically. Because Gattaca is about discrimination on the basis of genetics. So in this setting, it stands to reason there would be discrimination on the basis of your, uh, not inaugural, but your like birthing performance. Like... Sure. Or maybe right. I could see it depending on where you live. Like if, if we're creating a whole world, there there might be a world where they strive for perfection. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a kingdom, city, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And then there might be more like valuing diversity areas as well. Right. You might have like a warring nation where they are intentionally like only doing dances that only doing um, performances that create strong male soldiers. Right. And then you've got somewhere else that's not at war. And they're like, actually we would like some other people. That'd be good. Although I just said male. um, It doesn't seem to make that much sense to have a male, female um, distinction. Yeah. You don't have to like, yeah, I mean, if, there, if there's no sexual reproduction, then... Depends on the goal of the performance. Uh, right. Yeah, we could also make it... I mean, it's possible that whatever patron in the sky that rewards performance with the, the creation of life um, doesn't necessarily want a repeat performance, or maybe the you have to vary things to a certain degree. Right. That could be really, interesting. I don't know if I want another, like, puppet master sort of deal. Uh, we kind of have done that a couple times now. Right. I mean, that's why I'm not trying to lean into it because I don't want to talk about the storyteller God who's rewarding. But what if it's right? What if it's like um, more like Fey or like a spirit realm that they they view this as their entertainment, and so they have Ooh. like offered it up like as a as the reward is the reproduction, and they're that's like very good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's like Midsummer's Night yeah. Dream. There, there's a great Sandman comic. Um, where Shakespeare performs Midsummer's Night Dream for the Fae, who are kind of on their way out. Mm-hmm. The main character made a deal with Shakespeare. He gets to be William fucking Shakespeare, and in return, he has to make two plays for him. One of them is like a tribute to the Fae, and they love it. They're like, this never happened yet. It's true. This is how the, how best, they do that. the best play I've <laughs> ever fucking seen. <laughs> yeah, but I love the idea of the audience often being... Like a different realm, the Fey realm. Yeah, it's not even necessarily. Maybe it has, in sometimes, become like this has happened enough that there is like an audience of people that have been produced, but like the original audience is the Fey, and they're they or just fairies have been watching for all this, and they find it very entertaining. Yeah, I like that a lot. But they they wouldn't love the like if you're making an army right of repetitive soldier plays. I don't know if they'd love watching that performance. So I think you'd have to vary things up. Like there'd have to be right. like a whole class of scribes, playwrights, who are like always making new material. <laughs> right. Well, so you got a few options. You got a few options. Either you vary up your performance so that 
like one theater can play a bunch of different performances you get new people you get new people coming in is the other option which if you have a big enough city or a big enough area with where they are i i don't know uh you you either move you either move the performance or you get a new one right so you could like a warring kingdom could take the one performance all over the uh the mainland or whatever and they could they could basically show it to every single person yeah and then it wouldn't be a repeat the theater like the the stage production goes with the army uh Mm -hmm. so they replenish their troops and then if it's really popular maybe people do want to see it again right maybe the fey won't you want to see it again Oh well, what's um, interesting? Yeah, it's interesting. You're you're saying you're you're performing two people, and that's like, what if the Fey are kind of watching through the audience? Like they can't really take corporeal form, so they huh. kind of okay. meld with the audience as they watch. Because I envisioned it as like two separate things, but that actually that works in a in an interesting way with how we talked about how like the quality of the the audience's reaction could influence the outcome of yeah, the uh, also, performance. I mean, I, Maybe it's just like a really like you, you get possessed by the Fey and it's really cool because you feel these Fey emotions, which are just a lot sharper and brighter and more vivid. Oh, going like to the delight theater is really delightful. Going to a good theater show is like getting high. Oh. <laughs> and now hold on, let's go a step further. What if the Fey watching the performance are always inside people? It's just that this brings them out. And that, like, part of the performance is that the Fae, like, bud when they have extremely strong emotions, maybe? We could. And that creates I, I, a new person. I guess I like the idea of the Fae also living in their own realm that's kind of overlaid on ours. Yeah, that I like that more. Yeah, too. I, I kind of agree <laughs> with what that. What you're describing, like, the budding is almost, almost reminds me of mycology or something. Right. Which is, and also, I start thinking of, like, the Fae are just a, they're just souls, and then I just watched Soul. Yeah, you kind of lose the essence of Fae-ness, yeah. Right. Yeah, I want the uh, the potential for them to be dick-asses, separate from humanity. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, so I think just thinking through the implications of this, people's stories that are preordained as they're made would be interesting. They'd be cinematic, they'd be dynamic, like things would happen, plot would progress, they'd... So people's mm-hmm. lives in this setting are largely quite interesting. Yeah, I, I like the idea of it. It's a, it's a world full of drama, you know? Everybody is literally an actor in their own play. Uh, but right. it's their lives. It, things don't play out exactly like you make them in the stories, but they kind of refract or reflect or themes reoccur. It's but really it's also a yeah. setting with a lot of failures, too. People that failed to live up to, like, their production... And I don't know. I've, I don't know if they would just be bitter, or if they would just be the people that go to watch these shows, or like who is the mm. audience of humans if everybody is written in? I mean, are people that are written into plays as extras? Do they become new people that just aren't important? <laughs> Where do the people uh, come from that aren't yeah, heroes? That's, that's an excellent question. Um, oh yeah, and when do they? When do they come out of the performance? I would assume right. at the end. Uh, don't know, though. What if... Yeah. This is just an idea. But what if... 
Like your life is naturally exciting and dramatic. Um, but if at any point you want to opt out of that life, you can make a contract with the Fae, sort of live more more normally. Oh, wait. No, no, you know... Well, here's the thing with stories, right? Maybe, maybe you do... Maybe if you don't like the way your story is going to go, like you have a tragic story and you want to try to get out of that, you can make a deal with the Fae. That's, that's a cool idea. But then stories that aren't tragic, stories where you don't die at the end... Um, usually at the end happily ever after. of that's you happy labor after, and then you're just a normal person now, right? Like your right. drama is over. Yeah, no. I love now, it. So when you're okay. when you're younger, you're kind of living this dramatic adventure. But right, like a lot of the older population, sort of lives out their lives in yeah. the, the villages. They've completed their character arcs, and so they get to. In their There's days, a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Okay, that's great. And, and also, and also, somebody who, like, for instance, you have a story about a great soldier. That story on the like, the performance starts with them at a certain age. Is that how they're born, or or do they are they born as children? And they have to grow to the point where their story begins. I'm actually okay with them springing almost fully formed. From the performance, mm -hmm. like yeah, I, I, I am okay with that. The alternative that just came to mind is, like, what if what if an adult a childhood happens, but you're kind of partway in the fey realm, like it's kind of a wild childhood, and then like huh. at the point that you enter the quote unquote real world, you're, Story. you're the version that started the the play. I like that. So it's it's not springing fully formed. It's just that you experience your formative years in a basically a different world, in an in an entirely different. Right. You're frolicking in the the fey forest, and as you grow a little older, you kind of like the the boundary starts to shift a little bit, and you're fully phased over by the time you mm -hmm. are your character. So the most normal people would be, like, if you have a story about someone who's thirty. They would have had spent 30 years, accelerated, of course, in the Fey world. But if you have a story about someone who's like 12, they would have spent a lot less time in the Fey world. Yeah, then maybe time works differently in the Fey world. Could be fucky. Yeah. Time would probably be fucky. I, there's potential for, like, we were talking about Kabuki and kind of exaggerated theater, which would probably be what the Fey was like. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering if mm -hmm. there are a few Fey that kind of like, like, what we think of as traditional theater, like some of those slow character drama pieces, what well, those people would be like. Yeah, yeah. King Lear. So, all right. So if you die at the end of your play, do you actually die or does your character just, your arc ends, you get to go on being a person? I think you don't actually die. Yeah. Because I think that what I, my idea had been that maybe you do, but that just tragedies are not popular among the Fae. And so it doesn't really result in a lot of, it doesn't really That's work very too. well. I, I I could see either way. Like either like the Fae don't like tragedy or they love tragedy. It like makes a good story. But mm -hmm. they've all it's all in good fun when when it's a matter of life and death, they don't. Right. The structure of a story too that's a tragedy, instead of instead of somebody dying outright, because that would be that would ruin the uh person's life. If someone someone goes off screen and then Somebody else comes on stage and is like, they could die at a uh, very famous battle that they're going to now. 
uh, <laughs> it's always ambiguous. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Actually, we, yeah. we, we did say that the play and their lives are different. It's just themes and like parts of it recur. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe if you die a certain way in the play, that's, that's going to be related to how you die in mm-hmm. real life. It could be like a, just a change in the course of your life or like a new yeah, path I mean, that you like, go down. If the play ends with the main character being poisoned, for example... I mean, maybe you end up dying of like some food poisoning when you're old, or arsenic poison, or something arsenic like in the water. Yeah, it yeah. just like it kind of trickles in. Um, yeah. I, I think, think that's that makes, cool. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Oh. Or yeah. ironically, uh, bitten by a snake, which is not poison; it's venom. <laughs> uh, but people, the fae don't make that distinction. So the, the fae get really mad at you if you. <laughs> ten, tendentiously they don't like snuff <laughs> snuff plays all right they don't they're not in this for the body horror uh, yeah uh do we, we want to talk about like the physicality of the world real quick because i kind of have a mental image of these villages that are kind of like old japanese wooden buildings and then like a lot of forests and wildlands that people can explore that kind of feel like the fey are half there do we want to do like maybe mm-hmm. I want to go into that too, like just a brief kind of roundup of where we're at at this point. And then we like with the mechanics of the world and then we can get into like kind of how it looks in the aesthetic. Sure. Basically, okay. we've got a world where people existed either and the Fae existed uh, and the Fae, because they found the human art of theater so entertaining, basically use it as a means to create more life and to weave stories into people's lives so you have this world full of people who have these adventurous, eventful, dramatic lives till the story ends because the Fae find it entertaining and then they go on and just kind of their arcs complete and they keep going in their lives. Yeah, and they'll usually end up becoming spectators who are the vessels through which the Fae watch the plays. Mm-hmm. The cycle continues anew. This is cool. Uh-huh. I feel like in a lot of stories, a place like this would be more of like a singular location that people go to other than a world, but it's a neat idea. Um, yeah, I, mean, I like the idea of like the, just, this is the way this world is governed. We didn't, uh, marriage kind of fell off. Yeah. I think that we kind of springboarded from marriage to like, from the creating new people almost. Yeah, I, that's true. That's true. That that's a fine enough connection, but uh, maybe like romances are a popular genre. So it seems like something the Faye would love. Like, maybe uh-huh. marriages are just a much bigger deal in this world, even though they're a pretty big deal in our world. <laughs> what, if, um, what if a production of a marriage is different in the sense that it doesn't create, like, a whole new person? But what if, like, if uh, if two people get married in a marriage performance, they can have a child that's, like, outside the cycle? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, or, because, I mean, that, that, that makes it a little more conventional... I mean, maybe you just get a boon from the Fae if they love your marriage performance. I mean, yeah. that works, too. If it's just a specific kind of performance that the Fae quite like. Well, uh. well, and also, it still needs to be a performance, right? The The marriage still needs to be have a story to it, otherwise the Fae don't care. Like, the Fae, the Fae will just see you guys, what, like, dancing and, like saying your vows or something they don't give I mean, a they shit might, they, if it's really good dancing <laughs> well you gotta you gotta stuff. mix it up you know you gotta have great 
witty dialogue or there's going to be some dramatic stuff going on. You know, they don't want just a normal right. everybody eats cake and it's yeah, happy. Yeah, it has to be spicy and performative. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe like the Faye, like seal off plays and for marriages, they like it to be other kinds of performances. I can see that that working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm also imagining the the possibility of like other styles of like not not a performance but like a poetry maybe like somebody sitting alone writing writes a haiku and just sort of like speaks it and a and Faye nearby just like create life because they're like wow that's a great haiku. Oh, that's that's really yeah. interesting. Like so, some people spring into being that I like that because it adds to the diversity mm. of the world. Like a lot of mm-hmm. people who spring into being are like the conscious creation of these kabuki plays. But then mm-hmm. some people are just like from poems. Some people are just from little dances you do that F.A. was spying on. Because so. it could be the like a wellspring of nature, too. Yeah. Oh. And ma- yes, maybe haikus don't create people. Maybe they create other things. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that a lot, too. Yeah. That like you describe the be- the beauty of a mountain and compare it to something else mm-hmm. compare it to um a flower and then you create a new flower that has the beauty of the mountain in it somehow i don't know no it's, i, I think I'm, i, I see what you're case. going for i mean like all, in, in other ways it could be used almost to like shape so much of haiku poetry it seems to be about like water and repose or like flowing rivers like environmental like geographical features like almost if right. you were to write something inspiring enough in that form, just of any kind of poetry, it could affect the landscape that you live in. It could carve a river out of uh maybe yeah, I mean I could see it like in this world there's soft places. And I forget whether we've used that term before. It's just a fun concept. Soft places. Where where the Fey are just more connected to this land, so things are more mutable. So it's not like everywhere that a poem can make a mountain, but in there certain are, places. There are liminal spaces in this world. Yeah, liminal spaces, exactly. I like yeah. that a lot. Another thought is maybe so we've established that there has to be a lot of plays, right? So there are lots of creatives who are making these plays all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Um and the Fey like love what they make. They love their creativity. So maybe another uh, aspect of this world is that you get favors or boons from the Fae for making good things, for being creative. Yeah, I like that too because <laughs> so much of human, uh, if we look at like human playwrights or human society, it is only a couple of people really create actively uh, right. creative works of fiction and art and so on. But if this setting, you don't really need to learn necessarily how to do this stuff because you came from the, the Fae already. So they've imbued you with, say, literacy and like a creative impulse. So everybody mm-hmm. is trying to make art in this world to please the Fae because it feels good and because it translates directly into benefits in your own life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was inevitable that eventually we would do a Faye, crazy Faye setting. Uh, <laughs> Art world. Well, or th- this one's not even, if Walter were here, he'd probably be adding like more mischievous stuff. More <laughs> and, and, then the Faye, and then some of the Faye, they'd, they'd see what you'd written and they'd shit on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, obligatory trickster literary trope that is very popular and leads to all sorts of ne'er-do-wells popping up. 
Mm-hmm. Do you think villains can be produced? Because uh, well, we've, we've talked mostly about this from like a heroic perspective, but I think it stands to reason, too, that like villainous types. Yeah, could be could be born of this. So that creates like action within the mm-hmm. world and real life dramatic tension in the world that has to be addressed. Yeah, definitely. No, I mean, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked early on about an empire. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe more villainous types are drawn to certain areas mm-hmm. or even just professions like banditry and and so on like i don't really i don't really care about the geopolitics of this very much i can sort of picture it in my brain mm-hmm. a little bit but uh, so you have this tension right you have this tension between uh the people who live in the world in general they want less villains to exist in the world and so the playwrights but that's not good dramatics but it's not it's it's the Fae want vil- good villains. They want uh, like dramatic, interesting stories. So you've always got this tension of, do I make these people better and make the story worse in these ways? Or do I make the story, like, do I appease the Fae or do I try to make the world a better yeah, Make place? the story right. better, make the world worse. Uh, <laughs> I think culturally there would be a lot more acceptance of bad things of dark things because of that because like you you kind of come to accept yeah okay in this story i can't really get away with not having something bad happen to the main character i can't really get away without having conflict or a villain yeah you you kind of like the whole society is just a little better at rolling with the punches and it doesn't all have to be like cold-blooded you know stone cold killer villains too like comedic villains have a place in all this too yeah definitely um, mm-hmm. you know, like it's not all Darth Vader. Uh, some of it's I don't know, Plankton from SpongeBob or whatever. There's mm-hmm. like more whimsical villainy too. Cause I have to figure the Fae love a good comedy. Oh yeah, yeah. I I think the Fae love a good comedy. In my mind, the Fae also love diversity. Though, like they'll get yeah. bored mm-hmm. if they don't get to see lots of different kinds of things. Oh yeah, Midsummer Night's Dream's a comedy, right? Technically. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude turns into a donkey, man. Funniest shit I ever yeah. saw. <laughs> that lady, that el- that uh, fey lady fucked a donkey. That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm donkey bottom. <laughs> and you know. <laughs> no. That's my wife. Looking at my donkey bottom bong. <laughs> Oberyn will not, for, he will remember this. So. <laughs> uh, oh, just a real quick. Yeah, we, we talked like a tiny bit about the physicality of the world. Do y'all vibe with the uh, like villages? Yeah. Like um, houses on like slight wooden stilts and paper doors. And like, I like that. Is I like the idea that perhaps if there are playhouses, they're portable and they're like large multicolored like paper structures that are set up. And, like they people use lights and like lanterns and stuff to add dramatic Ooh, tension to scenery. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I bet that exists. And also probably some big official looking theaters exist too yeah i, I think right. it all kinds uh, yeah i mean it's like the, the ecosystems that we have of theater is just on steroids that'd be cool if somebody wrote a play about a guy whose destiny was to build like a great playhouse like a sydney opera house kind of deal mm-hmm. and it just it in turn becomes this like wellspring of like new great stories yeah yeah this would be a cool world to live in 
Yeah, it's funny, Belvin, because yet again, no Walt. And of the, the three settings we've had that I think would be pretty cool to live in, two of three have been this group of three. Was uh, Garlic Baby House without Walt? He was no. in it, but he was minimal participation. But the, the three of us did Mole Train, which is another pretty cool fucking setting to live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're on the People train. all over the world. Yeah. Join hands. Start a Mole Train. Yeah, I, 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 we, we go to dark stuff a lot, which makes sense. Because conflict is uh, juicy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like it when the world just seems like, yeah, that'd be really cool to live in. Yeah, like there's conflict, but it's one. all, you know, it's not like, uh, it's not like every, you're going to get like genocided or something horrible or enslaved if it doesn't work out. Right. right. It's not like people fighting. It's more like this is complicated to live in. It seems like it would be a lot of work sometimes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it's a mess. <laughs> <sighs> it's certainly... I'd imagine the young people would be the ones who spend a lot more time outside of the villages, and the villages would have a lot more of the older people whose stories have sort of settled down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, because they feel closer to the Fae, the Fae Wild, when they're yeah. out outside, you know. Yeah, playing. they get to, like, lots of adventures. And well, you know, that's what all great adventures do, right? You settle down, you buy a house, you pick up a trade, or just kind of sit around all day and go watch more plays. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe try creating some of your own. A world yes. where everyone gets to retire. <laughs> yeah, this oh. is truly utopian. <laughs> <laughs> Take that. This is the world left to swan. <laughs> well, I mean, there's like some work to be done. Like the functional stuff, but you can handle it. And maybe things get a little easier. Like maybe the phase help out some with the boons. So maybe they also make some mischief. Here mischief. and there, just for walls. <laughs> well, um, I, yeah. Warlad, what do you? I kind of feel like we we made it, but what do you think? Any other I grounds? Think I think this is wrapped up. I think this is tied up with a bow. I think I'm gonna contact uh, Legend of the Five Rings to see if they want to make a set for us. Is that the card game that this whole thing is that there's like a continuous story that's really important to the cards and yeah, different like things happening like, in the storyline are reflected in different cards being made? It's like a Wuxia sort of thing. Sure, but they fucked it up already, so it's oh, it's fine. Okay. Yeah. They 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 had a thing where they had a really they were going to end the storyline and then of course like they ended it at a big event with everybody there. And then they start it back up again, of oh, course. I like the idea of, of this place and Garlic Baby House being like two separate islands in the same <laughs> setting. <laughs> yeah, the, the wholesome expanded universe. Yeah. <laughs> <Three male worlds. laughs> this is the wholesome yes. crew, people. Uh, you only get This is a rare one, so you better treasure it. <laughs> okay, uh, what's our ending right. spiel? Well, before we, before we do the spiel... Uh, I have a D6 right here. Oh. And uh, the thing about a D6 is it has six sides. You divide that by uh, two. That's three. So I'm not going to be Lorelad next week. Right, how about, <laughs> Somebody else is going to be the only way, way of doing week. that systemically, but sure, okay. <laughs> how about one to two is Walt, three to four is me, and five to six is Belvin? Sure. Uh, sure. All right. Let's get some. Can we get some Foley work in? That's five. Oh, 
a Belvin episode. So another one like this. Very good. So Garlic <laughs> Baby House 2, next episode. Hell yeah. <laughs> I love that one, man. Yay. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, next week. Yeah. Oh, Just get ready. Make sure you're better prepared than some people. I think that's not only possible, but quite doable. Yeah, I mean... You know, I'm just I, you know. yeah. You have a week. <laughs> Don't fuck you it up. Week. Well, folks, that's our show. If you like this episode, you can subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice to get new episodes every Saturday. And if you'd like, go ahead and write us a review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to us, and share us with all your podcasting world-building friends. It really helps us out. Our art is courtesy of the talented and wonderful Shell Tour at Jovial Paradox on Twitter. And you can tweet at us too, at Lorelads, or send us spirited hate mail at 30minuteworlds at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, happy world building. Um, there's, I forget what it's called. There's a sort of a police procedural from Japan that I'm going to have to look up the name. It is, it's a weird, the rhythm of it, like you think of the rhythm of a typical police procedural. It starts with this like, uh, normal sort of plot that happens before the police get the, get the big case for the episode. Mm-hmm. And then they introduce you to the case, and then they solve the case, and then at the end, there's more stuff that goes on. Like, they, they close off the stuff that they set up before, like the personal stuff. Okay. In this police procedural, as soon as the case is over, the episode ends. They don't bother going back to that other stuff. It's all action, baby. Hmm. Right. I guess that's, like, honestly a purer police procedural than... The actual police mm-hmm. procedurals. So, what's your connection? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it just strikes me as like you have. So you have one style of performance that's uh, kabuki like. Yeah. Wait, what the hell was I talking about? <laughs> oh god! So, <laughs> all right. So if you die at the end of your play, do you actually die, or does your character just in your arc?